If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. I was actually really excited. This is a brand that uh, Taylor had been looking out for a while. Uh, it was great to have Mike come on the show and talk to us all about it. Uh, he also shared some of his other stories that uh, he was responsible for, like uh, the Organic Valley Save the Bros, which is one of my mm. all-time favorite commercials that I've ever seen. So he gets into some of that, and we talk about marketing and advertising and then the future of Liquid Death. But this was a company that we decided to uh, partner up because, one, we didn't have anything in the water space, and two, we love companies that are disrupting their space. Mm -hmm. And you have somebody who's coming in and doing something different in the water space, like Liquid Death, and we just absolutely love not only how they're marketing and what they're doing, but then also what the brand stands for and what they're trying to do on the positive side. You know, I didn't know this until we met Mike and I started doing my own research on plastic and how you recycle plastic versus aluminum and i didn't realize oh plastic bottles are i think three per, problem man three percent of uh, of a plastic bottle is recycled three percent mm. and if yeah. you look at the the waste and the problems that plastic bottles are producing it's insane now aluminum on the other hand uh aluminum cans are up to are usually 70 percent recyclable mm -hmm. they're far better in terms of you know con conservation and better for the environment than plastic bottles and liquid death comes mm. in a in a can and it seems so strange like nobody's really put that together and like done this yet and so I'm I, like I love that they did it and they also did it in a way where they show like how marketing is you know like like it's bullshit but let's let's go ahead and like use that to shock and awe people to make better decisions and so yeah I totally appreciate this brand yeah they actually had this campaign where you could sell your soul for I think a can, yeah. a can of water on their website Made from the tears of and, my enemies and it's very very, it's a very metal uh, brand. Uh, it's fucking metal, dude. It's yeah, hardcore. It's, it's rad. I, love I mean, it. yeah, it's really, really cool, and they're doing a good thing. And you're gonna really enjoy this episode uh, with Mike. It was a great, great conversation. Now, if you want to check them out, go to liquiddeath.com. Their ads and they are hilarious. They have one yeah. on YouTube, which the, the waterboarding one. Yeah, we'll definitely link the, link that. Have Jackie link that oh, one up for sure. Crack me up, and you can look at them on Instagram. Their Instagram page is hilarious as hell too. It's at liquiddeath. So make sure you go check that out. And before we get into the interview, I do want to tell everybody, we know that summer is around the corner. You're going to try and get lean. You want to get shredded. So a lot of you are saying, you know, hey, how can I burn the most amount of body fat in a short period of time, in a four or three week period of time? One of the best ways you can do that in the short term is high intensity interval training. And we have a program called MAPS HIT that uses barbells and dumbbells and puts together hit style workouts. It's a very effective routine in the short term for fat loss. We've taken that program and we made it 50% off all month long for anybody. So it's half off. Here's what you do. Go to maps hit. That's M A P S H I I T I -I. Dot, dot com and use the code hit 50 H I I T five zero no space. Again, remember there's two eyes in the middle for that discount. So without any further ado, here we are interviewing Mike Cesario of Liquid Death. Liquid Death. If you don't know anything about the podcast, know ahead of time. You know, if we keep forgetting to tell people, it's not PC. You can swear on here. You can say whatever you want on here. Yeah, we do have to reiterate that. Yeah. People hold yeah, back. Who, who did we have the other day? We were like an hour into the interview, and I think I dropped the F bomb. Yeah. They're like, oh, we could cuss on this? Oh, my God. I can <laughs> say fuck? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think that's the funny thing is like, 
you can curse almost everywhere that you look at anything now, you know? So people are just used to it. So now it's like, you know, brands still play by like the 1950s cable rules when it's like, no, everybody every day listens to swearing and everything they do. Yeah. So you're almost like not part of people's normal thing if you're not. Yeah, right. Especially if you advertise on the internet. Right. Like nobody yeah. cares. I remember yeah. when those, those Skittles commercials first came out. Oh my God. You remember those? That's right. Did you ever see that Skittles commercial where the dude's like, oh, tasting my God, the rainbow? Uh, and then like in he like, inappropriate. Yeah, way. he like <laughs> ejaculates Skittles onto his girls and it's Skittles that come out. And it was a commercial right. that went viral all over right. YouTube. Yeah. Brilliant. That was aggressive. Yeah, it was. I went yeah. and bought a pack of Skittles after that. Did was, you? Yeah, you was had this, to support it. Was Skittles first or did Axe do it first? Axe was like the first one that I remember that did the the first like viral YouTube commercial where they did the dirty balls. Yeah, that was pretty good. I can't oh, remember right. if it was before that, if anyone had done anything like edgy like that. I don't know. Who? I don't know. I don't know who the first one to start that. Well, I mean, there was like... So the first agency I worked for in Colorado was called Crispin Porter and Bogusky. And they were kind of like the rebellious kind of, I don't want to say they invented viral, but they kind of had this approach of why would you spend a million dollars to run a TV commercial when we could spend a million dollars and have mountain climbers climb buildings in Manhattan and film it and then get all this press. Mm. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was always about like, it's about attention Mm. and, uh, there's much cheaper ways to get attention in terms of like your ROI than, than, you know, just paying for like the standard television commercial or the standard, whatever. How does, how's the difference between like a really funny commercial versus something like that, where it's like, you're getting a lot of attention just drawn in. Like how's, how do those compare in terms of like, you know, how they perform? It all depends like what you're measuring. I think what I've learned working in advertising is, most brands are way too close to their own products. Like what they think matters, like rarely actually matters to people, you know? Oh, interesting. Good point. You know, it's like, you know, you work for a brand like, you know, I I work for DiGiorno frozen pizza and like they'll have entire eight hour meetings about, is it crispy or is it hot and piping? And it's like, well, (laughs) and it's like, That, yeah. you know it's you know, hot so, piping yeah. like, and, 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 uh, meanwhile the consumer don't give a fuck right yeah the reason that someone's <laughs> buying a frozen pizza like they're probably not even reading the box you know it's just there's a whole different reason and you know but they've got millions and millions of dollars tied up and data and things that prove this and the other it's just like I think and seeing all that I, you know I think in 2019 people are smarter than I think a lot of big brands give them credit for, you know, mm. people's bullshit radar is, is pretty good these days. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think it's a lot harder, especially with the internet to pull stuff over on people. I would agree. And, and you, you just reminded me of these Gillette ads that have been going out that I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to show how inclusive and have you seen their new ads where they had I don't the, think a recent them. one just went out where they had like this, uh, she was severely obese model. Right. And they're like, you know, it's like accept who you are or whatever, but she's in a bathing suit and she's in her bikini at the beach. And there's like this back and forth debate going on. And it, to me, it comes, and I see what they're trying to do, but it comes across as fake virtue. Like, look how awesome and great we are because we put really unattractive or really big people on our whatever. And it kind of comes across fake. You know, I can see what they're trying to do, but it doesn't come across real. Right. You know, this authenticity thing's much more important now, isn't it? Right. 
I think, and there's another stat I, I could be off, but it's somewhere in the ballpark of like 84% of people no longer believe what they read in ads. Even if the company's telling the truth, you could be totally telling the truth. Hey, our product does this, this, and this, and it's all tested. People just say, ah, it's bullshit. Hmm. You know, like you just, we've been so inundated by advertising and bullshit and not trusting people and fake news and everything just leads people just like, don't trust brands, don't trust anyone. It seems like they could have an agenda. So it's like, you know, with liquid death, like our whole thing is at least if you're going to market to people, make it really clear that like we're marketing to you. We're not trying to trick you. Mm. Like we're being very overt. And by doing that, you kind of disarm the bullshit thing, you know? Mm-hmm. That's how you yeah. get our attention. Yeah. yeah. That's, you know, it's also, I love uh, Hulu. Are you watching Hulu right now with sports, what they're doing? No. Oh, it's fucking hilarious. So they, they'll get like a NBA player, uh, like Embiid, who's like a top player right now, right in the NBA. And it's they the whole commercial is his like he's getting a tattoo and they're like talking about getting a Hulu tattoo on him yeah. and and he's like oh I'll put flames and dragons <laughs> and then it's like his sport his agent is on the phone talking to the contractor with Hulu saying like no 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 can't do that no 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 can't do it. <laughs> and then it's like the end of the commercial is just him him shooting all the money that he's made from advertising for Hulu just saying <laughs> Hulu now has live sports like that's the whole idea is that right. Hulu is now doing live sports so they get an NBA player to market and advertise it but the whole commercial is about him negotiating the money he's going to make for saying about Hulu Go Sports. It's just brilliant. Right. It's over. Right. It's definitely a, over. Right. Yeah, that's how you that's definitely how you got our attention, how you guys got our attention. So what how did you come up with the concept of of what you guys are doing? So I basically grew up in like punk rock and and heavy metal bands, you know, and I was like in that scene and you know, making I remember like going to Kinko's making show flyers with like cut and paste stuff. And like, that's where I really got into like creative design stuff. Realized like, Oh, you can actually make, make a career out of this. Like people will pay you to do this. I was like, Oh, that's cool. And then that eventually led into advertising kind of got more into the writing side of things. But then, you know, eventually it's, you know, we're doing huge campaigns for brands like Netflix and Nike and Volkswagen and, and, you know, learning a lot about, brands business problems and how to build brands and like what kind of commercials work and what kind of things don't. And then meanwhile, building my own opinion on what I don't like or think is bullshit. And like, you're constantly trying to convince boardrooms of executives, like people really don't want the guy, you know, on the beach doing the cliche thing. Like if you look at what people are watching right now, the most popular show for women right now is actually the walking dead but you would never think to like market a female product <laughs> wow. with zombies, you know? Yeah. But like, why wouldn't you? Because clearly they like it, but it's just like, nope, nope, it's too hard. You can't, nope, we're going to go back to flowers and rainbows. That's what, that's what <laughs> yeah. women want. You know, they have these opinions. So then eventually, you know, I had this idea, you know, I've always kind of had an entrepreneurial thing. Like, and the first thing I actually did was a liquor brand called Western Grace um, back in 2012. I was only a few years out of ad school, but tried to make brandy cool actually because <laughs> i had brandy before, and i was like this is literally like there's dust on it in yeah. the liquor store. it's like, like an old man thing yeah right? nobody drinks yeah. it so then i'm like okay i'm just gonna buy it one day and i bought it and i had it and i'm like holy shit it's good this, this is, is like this is like whiskey but without the burn yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like sweet yeah, yeah i'm like why aren't people drinking this so we had this whole idea like oh let's let's make this kind of cool rugged 
like brandy company because all brandy was like this French luxurious like bullshit, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we did that. Kind of had this idea. Found a distillery in Northern California up in uh, Ukiah. Who uh, these guys have been making brandy for a long time? They were all excited, like, "Oh, we we're waiting for someone to make brandy cool for like twenty years." You know? <laughs> so they got on board, and I found some liquor industry kind of veteran people. They were like, "Oh, this sounds cool." So I moved back to my hometown of Philadelphia. We built that brand over a couple of years. I kind of got a taste of, you know, the beverage sort of uh, startup kind of game, I guess you'd call it, mm. but in the most complicated product space, which is liquor, where, I mean, the there's so paint, many regulations. Oh my God. I mean, we spent more just on legal fees before we even had a product on that. than we've spent totally almost on liquid death right now. Yeah. Oh wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, there's just contracts and background checks and, and everything. There's even particular, I learned this cause I went up to a distillery in Napa. It's actually one of the only distilleries there. And it took a tour and the guy told me, we can't call this gin unless it's made this particular way or from this particular right, area. Right. We can't like there's so many rules and regulations and laws. Half of them are because, you know, we, we regulate alcohol like because we consider it a drug, right? The other half of it is from industry itself trying to protect themselves from competition. So it's insane that oh, you got yeah. in your first business was to get into alcohol. Yeah. And I had no idea. I, I, I didn't know anything. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I, I use distillery. Bottle, that's it. <laughs> no, it was uh, it was pretty crazy. So did that, and then um, you know I was young, kind of got business married to sort of the wrong people, and we sort of just didn't agree on things. So I kind of took my little piece of equity and left, and then that's when I went to work for a small agency with a buddy of mine in uh, Chattanooga, where we did Save the Bros. Yeah. Um, Brilliant, that, Brilliant. Yeah, that's oh, such a great campaign, Thanks. man. Yeah, you guys killed it. Yeah, but that and that was kind of I think where the the idea for liquid death kind of started to to evolve was hmm. you know we did a lot of stuff for the organic industry like we did stuff for only organic which is the group of organic CMOs that are responsible for creating that organic seal that's on every product mm. so you know w we were kind of being approached by them to like hey let's give organic some new life like it's you know it's kind of getting this like you know, cliche perspective. Yogi, right? yeah, yeah. Wrapped around soft. it. Yeah. And you know, we were guys that, you know, like pushing the boundaries of things and, you know, humor, of course. So we kind of started doing uh, stuff for the organic industry. And, you know, I've always been into health, which I think is a crazy thing that people don't realize about the world of heavy metal and punk rock. Mm. I mean, I became a vegetarian at 16 because it was cool in punk rock to be a vegetarian. Yeah. And there was like straight edge hardcore mm -hmm. where like you don't, yeah. you don't drink, like you don't, you smoke, don't, you don't smoke. Yeah. yeah. And they lift weights and they're fucking, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Really into health. And it's like, but nobody thinks of like health and fitness and vegetarian is that at all. Like they have a way different image. <laughs> totally. of it. So I think I've always been into being healthy and like, you know, I haven't drank soda in decades and you know, I, I like drinking water. So Eventually, we kind of saw this white space when we're starting to do fun things like Save the Bros. I'm like, yeah, like, why aren't there more healthy brands that are marketing in the same fun, hilarious, culturally relevant ways like Skittles and like Snickers mm -hmm. or like, you know, beer companies like Bud Light? It's like right. the, the unhealthy brands, you know, for decades, they've invested billions of dollars to kind of be associated with like fun. Yeah. You yeah. know? 
but healthy brands have it. Healthy brands, it's about responsibility yeah. and the right thing. And like, right. just pure essence. Of You're making everything. the world better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's like, hey, there's plenty of people for that. But I think there's a whole segment of people who care about health who don't, you know, who like watching Adult Swim. I feel like, like you get me. Metallica. Yeah, yeah. 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 That, that's yeah. A, that literally like when, when Taylor kind of presented the brand, he's like, Liquid Death. You know, I'm like, yeah. liquid debt was arsenic. In it? What are we talking about here? You know, it's like water. I'm like, okay. And then he started to talk about like, well, okay. So if you're at a party and I'm drinking beers and, or maybe I'm trying to make a decision where I'm not drinking beer that night. And I'm like the DD, like how lame are you standing there with the avion? <laughs> you know, like, and I'm like, Oh my God, I just, it clicked and I got it right away. Yeah, right. yeah. I just needed that though. I was like that, the image of that. And you know, there was, there was times of that where it's like, I'm trying to make better, healthier decisions, but you know, it, it is, it's like, it's a, it's a different stigma behind it where it's like, you're, you know, Oh, I'm, I'm better than you. And there's this elitism, you know, in terms of like, you know, just hanging out. Like, I just want to hang out. Like, why can't I just have a brand? that's like, you know, it's cool, but you know, I'm kind of with you guys. So anyway, that's what I thought of it. And I mean, the reason you feel that way is because <clears throat> the big bottled water players like Evian and Fiji have spent hundreds of millions of dollars to ingrain this idea that this bottled water is like high end and for the elite. Like mm -hmm. Fiji would only be in the highest end hotels when they first came out and the highest end restaurants, which was like the weirdest thing for bottled water. But they just <laughs> wanted to build this stigma of like, you know elite right and, yeah. better than you yeah yeah right so i think that's like, effective I mean, yeah that's, i did feel like that yeah like, i'm better than you but it also <laughs> it also sets the table for someone to come in and fucking wreck it all like i think yes. you guys are gonna do i mean it's right. part of that's what excited me and i love the angle that you guys are advertising because at the end of the day it is water like you're not going to come and create new water that's going to compete right. with the water <laughs> but what you can do is advertise differently and, and attract a different person or a genre of people that like guys like ourselves who make healthy choice in their life, respect the fact that, hey, going aluminum probably is a better idea than plastic, right? I read some crazy... Better. Yeah, I read some crazy stat on... Um, God, I don't know what I was reading in one of my newsletters in the morning. They, project, they pro, uh, projected by 2000, and I believe 30, that we will have more plastic in the ocean than fish. Yeah, I, that's true. Fucking crazy. crazy. That's yeah, so crazy. crazy. Well, what's crazy is bottled water is now... In the U.S., the number one beverage category. It passed soda two years ago. Wow. Oh, shit, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's $18.5 billion industry just in the U.S. Like almost over, like almost $200 billion worldwide. That's crazy. Just so, filtering water. Yeah. yeah. And so the most popular, highest volume beverage category is packaged in the worst beverage container, which is plastic. Not only yeah. that, but they're finding... Uh, plastic fragments or small pieces in these bottles because of the way that they're packaged. I don't know if you've read these articles where they're testing these bottles of water and they're finding a little bit of plastic in them just because of the, the way that they're put together. So we're oh, drinking them and we're getting plastic from these things as well. And they don't do so well in, in temperature changes either. I know heat and cold can cause some of the plastic to leak into the water or whatever. Yeah, And, and light too. Like I think it's like temperature and light are like the biggest effectors of if it's going to affect the taste in any way mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting when we started our our, our podcast in, in the fitness space there was a division between the health and wellness side and the performance build muscle burn body fat side so it's like you were either jacked and ripped and that's the the guys that you want to listen to or you were like 
you know, yoga and I like to meditate and I wear Birkenstocks over here. And we thought this is silly because uh, just like you, like why can't the guys and people who want to perform well also be interested in health? In fact, they communicate very well to each other. So it's funny that you're you're bringing up, you know, what you're saying about why can't water be advertised that way? It, it, it seems like a lot has changed or there's been a lot of misconceptions with how we present information and advertise to people and, and that new media or the internet is kind of starting to break a lot of that. Am I, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I think so. I, I think what it does is it, it democratizes things, right? It doesn't have to be that in order for your ad to get out there, it's got to pass a boardroom and then it's got to go through the cable news ap- approval process. And then they're owned by certain people that have their interests. And, you know, then, so now it's just like, if you want to make something, you can make it and you can put it on the internet and then you let the market decide if it's awesome or not. You mm. know, you don't be, and I think that's the, uh, that's how we started liquid death before we ever even had product. We released the video, which I don't know if you guys have seen mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the girls water. Oh, that's yeah. the <laughs> best ever. bro. That's what sold us. That's why uh, you're sitting here right uh, now. Awesome. I mean, you're sitting here because of that video. I mean, that's how, how powerful that is, is, we saw that, and I remember when Taylor first said, "Hey, I had this water company," and then I see the brand, yeah. and I'm like, "Okay, like yeah, some, you guys really went for some it. small startup company. Like, what, what if these what if these guys aren't around in a year, and we're talking about them? Like, I, I don't know, Taylor. He sends me over the ad, and I'm like, "Okay, set this up. I want to <laughs> I want to talk to him because I, yeah, it was fucking brilliant. No, it's absolutely yeah. brilliant, and I I really believe that you're entering in a space that boy, you guys truly are the underdog coming into this, but." The way that you're marketing advertising, I'm fucking extremely interested in what this journey has been like so far for you. Like, I mean, one, how long have you guys been officially in business and what are you seeing so far and how much of an uphill battle do you have and what kind of traction are you getting? Can you share some of that stuff with us? Yeah. So we've only been in market just over two months. So we launched on January 24th. Only can buy it online on Amazon and our site. Mm. And then we're also in maybe maybe 30 to 50 kind of bars, barber shops, tattoo parlors kind of scattered around, mostly mm-hmm. L.A., mm-hmm. Um, other places around the country. And, um, you know, we launched the brand or the idea for the brand over a year ago. So had the idea for the brand. Um, okay, I want to do water in a can because it's more sustainable, looks cooler, like all these different reasons. But before we're going to, because beverage is notoriously insanely capital intensive to get into, Mm -hmm. um, before we go huge into this, let's kind of test it. And I think that's how we approach all of our things with liquid death is the same way a movie studio or TV studio operates where you're going to make a pilot first. Like, let's do something lightweight that you can test and see how it goes before you start going all in on something else. So we made this video of the the waterboarding thing. We literally spent <laughs> 1500 bucks and pulled some favors to produce the whole video. And then, um, yeah, we launched that on the internet. We had some, like, cool 3D renders of the can made that looked, you know, real. And we put it on the internet like it was a real thing just to see what would happen. And then all of a sudden, I mean... We put $600 in paid media behind the video and it got us over 2 million views. Whoa, man. And then we started getting all these followers. We started getting, you know, Facebook DMs saying, we're the biggest non-alcoholic distributor in New York. Can we talk to a sales representative? You know, uh, 
hey, I own three 7-Elevens. How do I get this in my stores? And we're like, yeah. okay, cool. This is probably going to work. So then we had to figure out how to actually make the product. Because surprisingly, putting non-carbonated water in a can is really difficult. There's almost no bottlers in North America who can do it. Oh, wow. Oh, shit. Well, you think about it. It's all soda. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because when you have either carbonation or a preservative in there, it's a totally different process to can something than when it's water and there's no carbonation and no preservatives. Mm. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, you basically have to, the water gets canned and then it goes through this giant thing called a tunnel pasteurizer that basically heats it to kill any of the bad microbial stuff that's in there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and most canning companies, like they don't have a need for that insanely expensive piece of equipment. So it just doesn't exist. Now, so, did you know this before or was this like, oh, oh no shit. idea, no yeah. idea. I mean, who would think, <laughs> yeah, right. oh, water in a can, that's got to be the yeah. easiest thing to make. And you start <laughs> yeah. calling all these places. They're like, oh yeah, that's not possible. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean it's not possible? Um, oh shit. Yeah. Cause you're like, oh, we got all this attention. How stressful is yeah. that moment when you guys figure that shit out? <laughs> I know. It's, <laughs> but it's like, you know, you just keep digging and, and finding a way and it's like, okay, and it's, there's never, it's, it's never as bad as it seems, right? Because if there literally wasn't anywhere to do it, it's not as hard to go raise some money saying, hey, we want to make something that doesn't exist yet. And people will be like, oh, wow, like that doesn't exist. Why is that? You know, sure. people can see the financial benefit of doing something right. like that. Luckily, we didn't have to go that route. We ended up finding a bottler in Austria, which was like, oh, Austria is interesting. Like I've never heard of many things from Austria, but these guys... They own like four of their own private kind of uh, mineral springs. And we went and visited their uh, their facility and it was immaculate. Like I've been to Apple's headquarters. This bottling company's office was nicer than Apple. Mm. Oh, wow. shit. I mean, it was ridiculous. So Austria also sounds kind of metal anyway. It does. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, you got Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, right. there. <laughs> Austrian death machine. Yeah. 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 Um, so that so then we were like, oh yeah, this is cool. It was kind of just like a happy, happy accident where it was like, wow, these guys can totally do it, and Austria can totally be fun for you know the brand, but uh, not exactly as essential to it either. Like we may actually, um, we may end up moving production to uh, British Columbia sometime just because mm-hmm. it, it's tough when you're shipping stuff that far and dealing with it. But um, yeah, once we figured out how to produce it, then we were able to go and raise a little bit of money for production, you know, kind of, we had the video, all of a sudden we kept getting more and more followers. Eventually we had more followers than Aquafina. We didn't even have product yet. <laughs> wow. Oh, shit. No way. Yeah. That's fucking rad. Yeah. yeah you're and awesome. We, and we didn't have any influencers really or anything. You know, we didn't have any celebrities that were posting about it or anything. It was just, you know, we would do low cost Facebook paid advertising. When you put a can of liquid death in someone's Facebook feed, they're like going to like it or they're going to share it. And that was kind of the the strategy from the beginning. I mean, I learned with liquor that, you know, our liquor brand was called Western Grace. And it was like, it looked like a proper whiskey brand. Mm -hmm. But it's like, if you have no real marketing dollars, as in millions and millions to compete with other people, your only shot is to have the product itself be insanely shareable. Mm -hmm. Because you're not going to, you're going to get outspent always. So I went, purposely way over the top with liquid death when I'm coming up with the name like okay it's water in a can like what can this be called where anyone who sees this on a shelf or has it is going to be like oh my god I got to take a photo of this yeah and that's kind of how you what know, are some you know, of the other names you guys threw around 
Oh man, there were some b- bad ones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> originally, it was like we were going even more the craft beer route, where we were like, mm. let's just make it seem like a like a craft beer. So it was like one of it was called like I think one was Southern Thunder, you know, like, you know, like <laughs> something that just sounds like a cool beer or something. Yeah. But I'm like, you know what, like. No one's gonna take a photo yeah. of that. Can't really do like Montezuma's Revenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah not good. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean that's that's kind of how we uh, we started out. We started making it. Um. Now, what was it like? You you kind of yeah. just you just went right over uh, going and getting some funding. What was that like presenting presenting that your your business plan and what you guys had accomplished so far to receive it? Was it that easy? Where someone was like, "Oh my God, it's so brilliant! Here's my money." Or were people kind of like, oh, this is interesting, or I'm not sure about it. What was that whole process like for you? So it was a little bit <clears throat> uh, strategic in terms of, you know, I had a 10-year career working for ad agencies. So, you know, I hit up former bosses. Like I used to work, if you guys know Gary Vaynerchuk. Of mm-hmm. course. Yeah, I, I, were, I was a creative director at VaynerMedia. Oh, no shit. I was always really type, you know, cool with Gary. He was, you know, we, we got along really well. So hitting up people like him who get these kinds of things. Like mm-hmm. he gets the internet. He knows like, Oh, this is fucking rad. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, other, uh, former bosses of mine for like digital ad agencies that, you know, he happens to be a metalhead that runs an agency. He's like, Oh yeah, this is fucking awesome. Like I want in and, you know, couple, a little bit of family stuff too, but all pretty small, but really just like anyone I've worked with or that I felt understood marketing and understood what we were trying to do, um, kind of just went to them and it wasn't easy. I mean, you know, it was a lot of small checks to add up to, to what we needed to kind of just get, get production started. Mm. And then now, um, once we actually had product and, you know, we kept building the social following, we had real physical product to finally sell because literally we had, it's one thing trying to raise on an idea where, you know, we're raising money just with photos and and things like that it made it a lot easier once we had a can that someone could hold and be like whoa this is cool it's real and then at that point we've now been backed by a vc startup incubator called science inc and they were the ones behind dollar shave club oh, uh-huh. that oh yeah uh-huh. uh, me undies um, yeah oh huge brand these yeah very successful yeah their their thing is kind of um they like brands that are trying to disrupt a category, usually with e-commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, so e-commerce is kind of the start for us, but I think we all realize that, you know, ultimately with a, with a product like water, it's going to have to be in traditional channels. Like you want, people are going to want to be able to get water at a Seven Eleven or right. when they go somewhere, not only be able to order it on the internet. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, significantly more funding kind of came in from them and we're part of their sort of incubator where we've got office space, in uh, Santa Monica with them, we, you know, they help us with a lot of the, um, kind of scaling and business things that, you know, I'm, I'm more of the marketing brand kind of vision guy. Uh, I have a partner. He's more of the COO, CFO, spreadsheet murderer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and yeah, and then we kind of work with them for a few months, uh, starting in November to kind of just get the website and get, you know, everything as smart as we could get it before actually launching it. Mm. And then we launched on the 24th and now, yeah, it's been going way better than we even thought it would go. And now we're officially sold out. We have zero inventory right wow, now. Wow, you guys wow. crushed just like that. Yeah. So we have our next batch coming in. Uh, it just hit the port in Philly, which is where we have our main warehouse. And uh, by the time it gets into to Philly, then it has to get shipped to Amazon because we fulfill all our orders um, 
from Amazon, from both our site and on Amazon. Hmm. Um, just because, I mean, they have the best. I was wondering why the fuck you didn't roll in here with a bunch of cases for us. It's <laughs> yeah. like, come on, like, guy. What's with this? Well, I wanted some of that. Did you have, do you have any cans on you at all? It's funny. My, uh, my younger brother, he lives in the Bay area here. He works up the road at a startup called, uh, Clary. And, um, he just started ordering it for his office. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was like, Hey, Jay, do, do you have any LDs? And he's like, dude, we're all out. We drank it all. Now you're sold out. So, <laughs> so I was going to go try to pick some up, but yeah, they're all out. Dude, now. that's what is really exciting to talk to you at this point. I'm so glad that we connected early on. You got to share with me what you see right now. What do you see as some of the biggest hurdles this year that you're going to have to overcome? That's a tough one. Um, I think scaling is going to be hard, you know, especially since we're about to go out into the more traditional distribution channels, which that world is, is crazy. I mean, it's like not much short of like backdoor deals and kickbacks and like, you know, and it's like a lot of these guys that run distributors, I mean, they're kind of like older blue collar guys who are, who just don't get it. You know, it's like liquid death. No one's going to buy that. That's a negative name. What are you (laughs) stupid? You know, it's like, uh, what you know and that's why i love the internet is like we don't have to like get approval from anybody mm-hmm. we can just put it out there and right. people clearly are buying it um in in a space where most people like at least myself included have never bought a case of premium water i've bought hundreds of just single bottles of maybe fiji or smart water but i've never bought a case of fiji i've never bought a case of smart and water. definitely not online yeah. and definitely not online <laughs> no. right. so the fact that it's even you know, we feel pretty good that we sold as much as we did in a space where people aren't really doing it. And then in the middle of winter, no less, where most of the country it's freezing and it's not really like bottled water season really mm-hmm. either. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we got a lot more product coming. Um, we have a new viral video that we're almost done producing. That's going to come out first week of May. It's fully animated commercial. Oh, cool. Because, uh, my other, uh, partner, co-founder, uh, his name's Will, and he's the creator of an Adult Swim TV show called Mr. Pickles. Mm-hmm. If you yeah, guys have yeah. seen that, yeah, that's uh, yeah. great. Um, and you know, Will did the uh, the skull on the can. Um, you know, we kind of write a lot of the marketing copy together because I mean, these guys mm. they made they're on their fourth season of a TV show, and mm-hmm. that's all they do is like write scripts and jokes all day, like by the hundreds and thousands just to get the one good one. So mm-hmm. he's so trained in comedy and, and all that, that he's an awesome partner. And, um, I think moving forward, like this adult swim kind of vibe, I think is where we're sort of like positioning the brand because it's like, nobody's really doing it at all. Yeah. yeah. Not in water at least. Not in water. Yeah. No one's touching that. Are you, are you guys getting any attention yet from the industry? Because I feel like you tapped into something, you know, like the uh, something yeah. that's that's uh, that I would ima- start looking at. I would imagine you're still kind of flying under the radar with the Aquafinas and the companies like that. You, are you getting attention from them yet? Do you know? I don't know totally. I mean, I, anyone who's really doing their job well would probably have to know about it. Um, I mean, there was a lot of press written about it. Um, you know, these companies use these Amazon, you know, data tracking companies that analyze all the competitors and everything and like right now on amazon we're the number one new release in all bottled water we're the number one most wished for product in all bottled water and i think at one point we got as high as like we were the number seven new release in all of grocery on amazon which is like over 1.5 million products Mm. wow so people are probably seeing it but i think 
what what we hear the most, especially from industry people, is they kind of write it off as like, well, it's just a marketing gimmick. Like, you know, it's it's going to wear off. Like, people will buy it once for the novelty, and, uh, and that's it. Technically, it all is. Right. All water is a <laughs> right. fucking marketing yeah. gimmick. Oh. The biggest hustle ever, really. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, probably the fastest growing water brand right now that I'm sure you guys know is Essentia. Essential water, do you guys? Know oh, that is that what was it I having know. at the? It's like the it's like a higher alkaline water. It's got like a black. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, I mean, they're like probably one of the top selling on Amazon. They just signed. Uh, they just announced today they signed Patrick Mahomes to a, like an endorsement deal. But it's like their whole campaign is overachieving H two O. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like, is there anything more gimmicky? Than that? yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The whole yeah. space is yeah, like that. Like if you go down the water aisle, I'm looking and I make jokes about this all the time. Like if it's clean, drink enough of it, you're good. But they have like our water's more alkaline. This one's got special electrolytes. This one has, you know, it's like they're trying to sell you on the 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 nonsense health properties of their special water. It's all that whole space is like that. It's right. insane. And, and it, there's actually data that they did, I think, last year where it's something, some really low number, like only 23% of bottled water drinkers actually understand what any of the features claim on it. Like no one knows what alkaline means or reverse osmosis or what uh, artesian versus purified means. You know, yeah. no one knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spring or, you know, what yeah. was the other one? I get messages all the time about uh, hyper oxygenated water. Yeah. My favorite. Uh-huh. My favorite. Oh, my friend said I should drink this water. It's fucking, you know what ends up happening? And then you know what happens? I get messages like, oh, I started drinking this water. I feel better. How much water were you drinking before? Yeah, no, not much. Okay, so I think I know why you feel better, dude. <laughs> right. You're drinking more fucking water, yeah. right? You know, so the whole space is like that. So that's why I think you guys are gonna destroy it. Yeah. What are What are some of the things that you you learned from trying to do the startup with the liquor with the brandy that you're now over that you you won't make that same mistake going forward with liquid death. Um, being way more cognizant of the team that you build mm-hmm. and just making sure everyone is aligned on what this thing is and is not going to be. Um, I think that was even important with bringing on like a, you know, uh, a backer like science, you know, meeting with them. Like they made very clear that they understand, like, look, we know this is disruptive. Like you have a video with a girl waterboarding someone with your product. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's not going to change. And like the bigger we get, like, you know, I think even if we do get lucky and this becomes a massive brand, I don't ever want it to feel like a massive brand. I always want to operate like a small brand. Yeah. What do you mean by that exactly? It's punk rock. Yeah, it's punk rock. I mean, I think everybody in all industries is totally aware of the fact that people are moving away from big food and big drink and they want small craft, local. Sure. You know, they're willing to pay more for it. And now for the past few years, the big companies are trying to kind of, you know, blur the lines where like big companies are making products that have farmers market looking marketing. So you don't really know if like you, it's hard to tell now, did this thing come from a giant factory or did it come from some local place? It's hard to tell. So I think now in order to communicate instantly that you're small, it's not just about looking handmade or whatever you have to do and say things that big brands would never do. So you basically have to give no fucks, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Just, and I think that's cause I look at, Every decision I've made about liquid death, I've almost made with the strict filter of like, 
would Slayer think this is cool? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I fucking love it. I just worked out to Slayer oh, this morning, dude. by the way. Oh, dude, I was just listening to Rain and Blood, <laughs> actually, uh, on the way here. just Because I, I saw, I listened to an interview with uh, with Malcolm Gladwell and Rick Rubin. And Rick Rubin's probably like my all-time creative oh, yeah, idol. Like he's a great Genius, yeah. So I just started listening to like, you know, the, the old Slayer albums that, that Rick produced. And I'm just like, man, this was so good. Like, and just imagine hearing it at that time, mm-hmm. like 1986, oh, I, hearing that album would be like, what the fuck is this? I, yeah. I, I, yeah. There's there's three bands that consistently, I will either hit a PR or hurt myself, and they're one of them. Yeah, the other ones, Slayer you know, and Pantera. Uh, and, Pantera, Lamb of God, yeah. uh, or, or oh, of course, of the, the, cl- the, well, the classic is uh, uh, Rage Against the Machine, which I listen to all the time, which is a little different, but... Oh, right. Nobody, it's so funny. I don't think anybody did the rap rock thing even good. Uh, I mean, Raging Against the Machine was yeah. amazing, and everything else was just like not Crap. even close. No, like yeah. Limp Biscuit or Lincoln no. Park. Like it wasn't even close. <laughs> no. You know? yeah. yeah, no, not at all. No, I, I, you know what else it makes me wonder is that because you have this kind of attitude where you're like, we're gonna constantly look like we're small in the sense that we're gonna not care about offending people or whatever. It also kind of makes you a little bit uh, invincible. In a world where people are getting hammered for miss saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong, oh no, we're getting this. But if you come out openly and are like, this is exactly what we're trying to do. Well, we took a page out of this. That's exactly what we're doing. Yeah. Do. I mean, our right. first t-shirt we released when, I mean, we didn't have anybody really following us was zero fucks. That's what it said on yeah. the shirt. I mean, that was, <laughs> just that was zero fucks. That was the yeah. attitude. We were just going to come out and sling it all, Old say it all, us. and just- you, awesome. Which is great because it now it has, and we can't, we put ourselves in the comedy section. So we knew that a, a couple guys like ourselves, uh, we knew we weren't going to- Go heads up with the science-based people, the people that have got, you know, 15 years of, of education in the field and, and the brilliant, brilliant minds. We weren't going to go heads up against them. We knew we weren't purely entertaining, so we really had to find, we had to create this own path, and that that's where zero fucks came from. But and, also to protect, I mean, also our show is very conversational, and we, I mean, we're we're three guys in our late 30s, and I just turned 40. I'm going to say some controversial shit. I guarantee it. So better off starting off with that foot forward. Shocking off. Yeah, people know who we are, so nobody's going to be like, oh my God, did Sal say something? Everybody's like, of course he did. That's what they do. So you guys kind of set yourselves up that way where if you make a tweet or you guys do something and everybody's like, oh my God, that's offensive. Like, well, of course it's liquid death. Well, we're actually leveraging it now. So, (laughs) you know, we actually open up our, our... our business presentation with a quote from the founder of Patagonia who says, if you aren't pissing off at least 51% of people, you're not trying hard enough. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I mean, it really is polarizing in terms of people fucking love it or they just think it's the dumbest thing. (laughs) But I mean, you, it's not possible to have both. Like if you have people who love something that much where they're actually going to tattoo your logo on their body, you're going to have people who hate it. Mm-hmm. Like that's just all. And I, we've tried to explain that to brand, like big brands over, you know, over time, like, man, like wouldn't you rather have a thousand people that just, you're the only water they'll ever drink versus 10,000 people who just like, don't really care either way. Like mm-hmm. if it's there, maybe they'll have it. And I think, it, I think part of it's because times are changing in the sense that in the past, the bandwidth was so narrow that you were afraid that a little bit of controversy. And now there's like three networks only. Right. And now they're like, we're not going to show you commercials. Right. So you're fucked. 
But with the internet, you're oh, like, whatever. I've got a million different ways I can put this out. So if I offend people over here and you're scared, that's fine because it'll be over here anyway. Right. And people share it more anyway. So it's a totally different time. Right. I think you're just ahead of the curve, to be quite honest. I think more people are going to start going that direction. Oh, I could definitely see a lot of, you know, health kind of companies, like see what you're doing and, and get ideas and wheels spinning. But yeah, this is definitely going to like create its own category, I think. Now, what what platforms are you most focused on? Are you excited or do you think speaks? Well, I mean, you got YouTube, you got Twitter, you got Facebook. We're on podcasts right now. Yeah. What interests you the most right now? What are you most curious about? I, I think everything. And I, I think it's all about custom tailoring things to the channel that you're on. You know, like there's a certain thing that's going to work best on YouTube, but that same thing isn't going to just work necessarily on Facebook. And what's going to work on a podcast or even a radio spot is going to be way different than what's going to work, you know, mm -hmm. on, on television or whatever. So I think we just always look at how do we kind of respect the people who are in the channel. Like people are not going to Facebook cause they're like, Oh man, I can't wait to see what ads are going to come up today. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I want to see shit my friends are doing or I'm following famous comedians. So I think that's the thing that brands don't realize is, in the social space, you're not just competing against other water brands. Like you're competing against movie trailers. You're competing against friends right. and family. You're competing against legit comedians and like influencers. And you know, you're just in the midst of all that. So how possibly are you going to get something to stand out mm -hmm. amongst all that? So I think we just always taken it. You know, we take very seriously. What do people find valuable, whether it has entertainment value, whether it's, educational value like you're teaching me something that i've never learned before like whatever it is you've got to provide some kind of value to somebody beyond just like hey here's our product buy it mm -hmm. yeah and the other angle that you guys have that i think is blew my mind i didn't even think about this the water industry is so focused on we're healthy and we're great and like you said rainbows and wonderful and they are totally trying to hide the fact that that's the, one of the biggest uh one of the biggest problems with uh with waste are plastic bottles right they don't degrade recycling them is terrible it's uh it's just a very wasteful container for water compared to what you guys are doing maybe right. you could talk about that for a second oh yeah so i mean i think everyone knows that plastic is is quickly becoming public enemy number one like plastic straws are already out almost mm -hmm. everywhere. Right, I think right. Marriott just announced they're taking plastic straws out of all their 6,500 hotels. <clears throat> plastic bottles, I think, are going to be the next thing. Um, because what people don't realize, when you recycle plastic, recycled plastic is such low quality, it can't be used to make new bottles with. Mm -hmm. So they have to sell it basically to China, and then they make the plastic, the, they use the recycled plastic to make like cheap carpets and textiles with. And then most people don't recycle their carpets or their clothes, so they just end up in landfills. So it's like two generations gone. Yeah, it's like plastic bottle, recycled, carpet, landfill. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not really... And then now the bigger issue is China is saying, we don't want to buy your American plastic garbage anymore. And so basically it's becoming unprofitable. It's not profitable to recycle plastic. So really what's happening that people would be pissed if they really knew is like, a lot of these recycling facilities, they get the plastic and they just send it to the landfill because mm -hmm. they're not going to lose money trying to recycle it. So then you'll get companies who sometimes will help subsidize that. But really, aluminum is very profitable to recycle because of the high value of the metal. 
So it's in a lot of places, the recycling of aluminum is actually helping to pay for the recycling of cheap stuff like glass and plastic. It's because it's so paper. profitable. It's subsidizing. All it's the subsidizing other stuff. it. Right. Exactly. Um, and yeah, and, and you know, in aluminum, it's infinitely recyclable. It's something like of all the aluminum produced since 1888, 75% of it is still in current use. Oh, wow. So it's, so it's fascinating. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's an incredible renewable uh, container, a renewable uh, material for a container. Right. Now, the downside of aluminum is you have to mine uh, what's called bauxite to make aluminum. So there's mining involved, which obviously is not a good thing for the mm. planet. Like you have to mine. But once you get the aluminum, that same aluminum can be used infinitely over and over again. And it's it, it's like when you recycle aluminum, it takes 95% less um, resources than it does to make new aluminum. So it's, you know. It, so it's, companies using aluminum are more likely to go get recycled aluminum than go mine. Right. More. Yeah. Yeah. Because the recycled aluminum is is obviously a lot cheaper to buy than going to the brand new freshly mined aluminum. So there's, there's incentive to keep using recycled aluminum, which is why like in our, in the average aluminum can about 70% of that can is recycled is made from recycled aluminum. Only about maybe 20 to 30% is from new aluminum. Whereas in a plastic bottle, the average plastic bottle, only 3% is made from recycled plastic. The rest is all new plastic. Wow. Yeah. And, and and they they skirt over that. Nobody likes to talk about that in the industry because, again, their market is so based on we love everyone and we want to do what's right. And it's completely counter right. to that message. Right. So you guys, I mean, you guys are hitting both sides very effectively. You, you're doing the marketing. We don't give a shit. This is kind of crazy, cool, whatever, liquid right. death, metal. And then you've got the. By the way, this is best. This is the best container for the planet if you're going to buy your water in it. That's kind of a. Yeah. I feel like you're getting no brainer. Yeah, like yeah. wow. And and we're kind of having fun with. I think health is one thing, and I think sustainability is another category that has just sort of been branded as like hippie and tree hugger and like yeah. whatever. Where it's like, no, why can't recycling be fucking cool? So you know, we're launching an initiative uh, coming up soon called death the plastic and that's oh, yeah that's awesome <laughs> yeah and we're gonna donate you know like five cents from every can sold to help clean up plastic waste so from the good. ocean and help so get good. rid of plastic so it's like yeah it's like have you know i think a good example was the company that uh what are they called fuck cancer mm -hmm. yeah it's like god that's brilliant like now you don't like it's fun to be like yeah fuck cancer versus like the tired old you know it's just all about guilting people and making them feel bad and not like not something you really want to champion. It's like something that you do on the side, but like what's going to get you to wear the t-shirt, mm -hmm. you know, like people might wear a t-shirt that says death to plastic on it, but they're not going to wear one that says like, you know, be kind, recycle. It's a great thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, be mindful. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's the fun thing about marketing. It's like all marketing is kind of bullshit and people don't, People don't buy into marketing because they really believe that, you know, they're being tricked or that something is a certain way. Like, I think the example I like to use is when they use, let's say, an Aston Martin in a uh, James Bond movie, right? You buy an Aston Martin in your head, you kind of feel like James Bond. Mm -hmm. You're not buying it because you actually think I'm going to be like James Bond. Right. No, it's just like. I'm going to buy this expensive thing anyway, but now I kind of get this fun little fantasy along with it, you know? Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's kind of all we're doing. It's like, how do you just make it more fun and tap into the more emotional things that people care about? Like, you know, but, but do it in a way that that's more exciting and, and, and more fun and just so always so rational. You yeah. know, like if you just sold cars rationally, you know, how bad those ads would be. You know? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be terrible. Yeah. yeah so and when you're coming out with a keg. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We've talked about that. We were like, Oh, how cool would that oh, yes. be in, in a bar to have like a big skull tap. Yes, just like yes. yes. That will yeah. do some keg stands of water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. You, don't, you don't feel like a pussy when you're at the bar and you're yeah. like, I'll have a glass of uh, liquid, liquid death. death yeah. Right. That's yeah. so good. Yeah. So one of the things that we share and we get a lot of great feedback on our shows, we, you know, we've got a lot of experience in the health and fitness space. We've been trainers for uh, Sal, 20 years, Justin and I, 16, 17 years. Yeah. And we, we like to share like these paradigm-shattering moments for us in our careers that really shifted the way we think about things. What are some paradigm-shattering moments in your career in advertising that really shifted the way you looked at the landscape? Hmm, that's a good question. Because you've uh, been doing it for a long time. Yeah. Um, what really changed? I mean... For me, it, I mean, I guess for me, what really changed things for me was when I came across the work of the agency, Crispin, Porter and Bogusky, who was operating out of Miami. And in the early 2000s, you're probably most familiar. They were the ones who launched uh, Mini Cooper in the U.S. Oh, OK. And, and it's just the way that they were doing advertising. Like I never even really cared about advertising until I started seeing some of the ways that they were doing things that like. Well, weren't they behind the Italian job? Wasn't that part of the deal too, or is that different? I think that was different. They did things like, for instance, at that time, SUV, it was the SUV craze, if you remember. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was fucking Escalades and like everyone wanted the bigger car. Yeah. And now you're launching this tiny little British car right. in this world where people just want big cars. So they did this whole campaign where they were like, they embraced the fact that it was small. So they did a thing where they had a big SUV and they put a Mini Cooper on top of the SUV like it was like a snowmobile or something <laughs> with a thing that says, what are you doing this weekend? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was, or they, they went out and did, um, you know, like the little newspaper things that you see on the, yeah. uh, on the street. They made a giant version of one of those and had a little ad next to it that said, makes everything else seem a little too big. Mm. You know, so I started seeing things like that where it mm. made me realize like there's this whole way of connecting with people and so many different touch points out in the world and things that like you don't think matter. Like for instance, I, I champion the fact that like the last two years have been the biggest years ever for horror movies. Mm. Like with get out us, like these are these massive, like it's not a niche thing anymore. No. Like it's a mainstream Good thing. Point. And I'm like, you know, clearly people have a taste for like scary fun now so why couldn't a CPG brand leverage some of that? Kind of like basically what we're doing, you know? When people when people talk to us about, well, what do you think? It's like niche thing for metal. And it's like, would you say that to Jordan Peele when he's launching his new horror movie? That, hey, Jordan, this is a little too metal. Like, you know, no. It's like you get, when, when you think of things outside of the packaged good space that you kind of get in this bubble about, you realize there's all these other things and, and, and ways that you can kind of connect with mm -hmm. people. How has the landscape changed since you started in marketing versus now? Because things have changed so drastically because of oh, crazy. the use of social media and stuff. Like, how has that changed the way people look at marketing? Yeah, I think, I mean, the internet was massive because I think it gave you 
superpowers in a sense, where it's like, if your ad is good, people can share it with their friends. Like you couldn't share a TV commercial. That's true. Mm -hmm. You know, there wasn't like, and plus everything is measured too. It used to be like, you can only measure so much of how a TV commercial is working, right? But now you can see exactly how many people clicked on it, how many people shared it, um, whether or not even that they went to your website after it and did they purchase. Like you can kind of track things a lot better now. But I think for me, some of the big moments that really changed me, even in the more modern landscape, were things like, do you remember the Squatty Potty? Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, you know, even Dollar Shave Club when that first came out. You're like, oh, fuck. Like, you know, this... Like, this is amazing. And what's funny is in the ad world, they weren't even really respecting those things because it's like, you know, no, you know, anybody can just, you know, put a YouTube video up. Like, we have such a hard time. We have to sell through $100 million, you know, ad budgets and crazy commercials. It's almost like they're getting rah-rah about whose turd is the shiniest, you know? It's like, (laughs) meanwhile, these guys like Squatty Potty, Dollar Shave Club are making videos for a fraction of the cost and literally Mm -hmm. creating cultural phenomenons around a fucking product. Mm -hmm. Like a thing, you know, it's a Squatty Potty. Like who would make anybody care? Or like the Poo-Pourri thing, you know? So I think when I, those things really like changed my opinion on what I knew I wanted to do. I was like, I want to, I want to make that kind of stuff more than I want to make like the 30 second, you know, whatever commercial for whatever company that I don't. What was your least favorite category to kind of take on like a business and you're like, Oh my God, this is going to be really tough. Or you just weren't interested in it. Oh man, that's tough. I mean, a lot of them. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, DiGiorno frozen pizza. I didn't really have, I mean, I have <laughs> any, <laughs> like where do any, I go with this? Yeah. Really, you know, or, you know, when I worked at uh Crispin, one of the big, uh, big companies they did everything for was Burger King. Like they did. Remember when they brought the King back years yeah. ago? Yes. It was a creepy thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it was like, they did lots of really cool stuff for them. Like they did one of the, the first kind of incredible Facebook campaigns called Whopper sacrifice. If you've ever saw that. No. So this was like, early days of Facebook where everyone was all about like how many friends do you get? It's all about like acquiring more friends. And it's like, I have 500 or I have a thousand. And they played off of that where they did the promo where if you unfriend five people, you get a free Whopper. Oh shit! (laughs) (laughs) That's clever. Yeah. Uh, But what happened was they were notifying the people saying you've been unfriended for a Whopper. (laughs) 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 And that was like against Facebook's like policy. So they have to like pull it down. Uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah. That is smart. (laughs) But yeah, that was. Didn't, was it, was it Whopper? Who was, was it Burger King or Carl's? Who did that recently where they, uh, they got after Casey Neistat. They did a, they went, they had this, it was a big, it made big news just like three months ago where, they had gone through, they had paid people on their team to go through like big influencers like the Casey Neistats of the world and and comment on a bunch of like 2000 and like 17 or 2015 tweets to get their attention. Did you uh, see all oh, this? Oh, no, I didn't see it. Oh, yeah. No, they did something brilliant along, and they got the attention of all these influencers who then were talking about Burger King doing this. So they paid all their people to go uh, by, go back and make a bunch of comments on these really, really old tweets, which got the attention of like these big people. Oh, then wow. in turn got them talking about it. It was fucking brilliant. Well, well you're also yeah. seeing now these uh, companies are talking shit back to their fans on like their Twitter. And those things are going viral. There was that mm-hmm. one, I don't know, a seafood company and PETA did something. So they went after them and it was all Twitter. Uh, and uh, right. I think, yeah, I think that stuff is absolutely. Is this a case, uh, you know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of the story that we've all heard where 
Netflix walked into Blockbuster and said, hey, we got this great streaming video idea, and Blockbuster laughed him out of the room. And, of course, we know where Blockbuster right. is now. Is this a case of a big, massive marketing ship that just is too big to turn, and they just don't want to pay attention to the fact that things are different now? I think that's a part of it, yeah. <clears throat> because the other thing is, if you accept the new world of marketing, you realize it's 10 times harder than it is before. Because like when you're trying to make legitimate entertainment, let's say, right? And that's kind of what we're trying to do as a brand. We're trying to blur, and I, I, that's not new news. Like every marketing, you know, whoever says, brands are publishers now. It's like, it's, you gotta, it's all about like what you put out on social. It's not mm -hmm. just about the product anymore. It's about what you stand for, what you do, like the kinds of content you put out. That's what people are investing in. If you start believing all that, you're like, holy crap. Like how are we going to ever do that? You know, especially when you're a big company where it's way harder to turn the ship, you know, in, in any kind of dramatic fashion. So I think that's part of it is when, when you realize something if you accept it could quite literally mean your demise. Like why would you, you know, mm. like you're kind of just going to find a way to kind of keep what you have going as long as you possibly can. And, you know, I think people are using data now to, to justify bad decisions. It's like, Oh, well we uh, used uh beep warp, blurp, warp incorporated to tell <laughs> us that, uh, you know, 95% of consumers are going to believe that this frozen pizza is going to achieve these emotion levels. And <laughs> and then you put it out in market and it fails, but you're right. like, hey, we tested it. You know, right. we tested it. So I think data, as great as it is, and you know, we should be leveraging data to learn things. I think there's a lot of people who are misusing it to kind of just like justify bad decisions or not doing mm -hmm. things either, you know? So. Well, you could argue it takes away from creative, right? I mean, that's what's happening is you get, you're getting so hung up. They're just and, following the formula. Right. Right. I mean, even us, we have, we've, we've hired a marketing team that handles that and that's their job is to do all that. And you know, the battles that we have sometimes is, you know, their job is to be very analytical about stuff, but then we also want to protect the brand and our right. vision and stuff like that. So that's definitely a, a constant conversation and battle that we even have to have internally. So what what's uh what's in the next like quarter to two for you guys right now with Liquid Death? I mean, uh, obviously getting inventory is probably the highest priority I would assume right now. Yeah, yeah, we're we're and we're good on that. The, I mean, the, the tough part for us is obviously when you have to ship from Austria, the time from when you put in an order to when it gets here is is not that fast. So we have to just kind of plan more in advance. So we ordered a lot more this time, so we're not going to run out again. But uh, yeah, we'll have that in. Really, like our next move is we're going to start, you know, kind of scaling up some of our marketing efforts online. So we'll actually start working with a few more kind of, I guess you could call them influencer types, but a lot of the times that means bands or tattoo artists. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, we're the, on our website, you can sell your soul. Did you see that? No. So, so we launched with this thing where I we called up our lawyer and I said, hey, if we if we wanted people to legally sign over their soul to us, <laughs> how and we were dead serious, how would you draft no, the legal contract? Oh my god! Um, so he wrote up the legal contract. We kind of played with some of the wording, and it's like the idea was: if you sell your soul, we'll send you a free can of water. Well, <laughs> uh, the the tough part is. Uh you know, the cost of fulfilling a single can of water by the time you like yeah. ship it and everything you're talking about probably 10 bucks a pop just in shipping and everything. So we, 
we we limited it. We said, okay, we're going to make it so we're only going to take the first 666 <laughs> uh, <laughs> souls that, that come in. And uh, they were- the they most were, metal thing I've ever heard. Yeah, they were sold within like five hours of us launching. Oh my God. So then we had to switch it over it, to where it's like, okay, now- if you want to sell your soul, you have to apply to see if you're even worthy to sell your soul. So we made this kind of ridiculous little application with these funny questions. And I think now since launch, we've had over 30,000 people apply to sell their soul. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> oh my God. That's hilarious. Wow. Doug, you got to pull the questions up. I want to see the questions that are that's on here. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, God, that's clever as fuck. What's even crazier, though, is that yeah. there's 30,000 people that are willing to sell their soul and they have no right. idea for what. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's clever. It's because it's no, absolutely it brilliant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, what do those questions say? Oh, yeah. Like, so the first one is- What does your soul truly mean to you? And the, the, the answers are nothing, 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 or all the above. <laughs> oh, what is the best Slayer album of all time? Oh, yeah. I love that. And it's Seasons in the Abyss, Spice World, Crazy, Sexy, Cool, and uh, Rain and Blood. <laughs> <laughs> so Crazy, good. Sexy, Cool. So cool. It's an exciting time today where I, I, I talk about this on our show all the time where- a, 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 a YouTube video can reach millions of people um, theoretically within hours and it could could have cost you almost nothing to create it. Right. You can communicate with people instantaneously. It's interesting because the, 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 the holders of power are losing that power. They're losing their ability to, our podcast would not have ever been possible. Right. 20 years ago. There's just no way. Nobody would have ever hosted us, that's for sure. Right. Um, and we would have had to say certain things because of our corporate sponsors and all that stuff. So it's a really exciting time. And um, it's it's to me, it's interesting to see now how marketing is now having to meet the new challenges and demands. And uh, it's pretty cool, man. It's, it's a really, really cool time. What do you think are some of the greatest offenders right now as far as companies when you look look across the landscape like what do you see uh, as far as like mistakes or offenders that you see these companies doing when it comes to marketing and advertising today um i think just not not being honest i think at the end of the day it's all about honesty and authenticity i think that's what probably what works for you guys right yeah like, absolutely you're just yourselves and you don't bullshit people and you talk how you normally talk to your friends and people feel like they're hanging out with their friends when they're listening and i think that's kind of what, what i think brands should be doing is feeling more like being more clear that there is a real human being that you'd maybe want to hang out with behind that brand or behind that ad and not just a boardroom of suits that are just making completely money-based corporate decisions. Like you, I remember when I was learning to be a copywriter, they said, your job as a copywriter is to make the person on the other end believe there's a human behind there. Mm. You know? So I think, I think that's the biggest mistake brands are making is they're just too cold. They're, they're not human enough and they're, they're not, they're not being honest about what authenticity or honesty really means to most people. Uh, I, I agree. I couldn't agree with you more. That's why I brought up that the Gillette example earlier. It's like you can tell they're trying really hard to show how virtuous they are. Hey, everybody, look at us. Right. We really love anybody. We don't care. And it's everybody's like, okay, yeah, right. We, you're trying to sell us something versus coming out and saying, yeah, we're trying to sell you something. Here we are. And people are like, oh, thanks for your honesty. I think I'll buy something. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why Dollar Shave Club was so successful. Like in a notoriously cold corporate 
very unhuman category of razors, they were in like the, the CEO became the spokesperson. Basically that's how transparent they were. And like, you just believed, wow, I'd rather give, I mean, a, the razors are a good price, but I'd rather give my money to that guy than whatever vague shadowy figure is behind that (laughs) Gillette ad that I just saw, you know? And that's why Unilever acquired Dollar Shave Club last year for a billion (laughs) dollars. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I think is going to happen. I think these big companies are going to have to buy these smaller ones and kind of keep them. I know it happened a lot with the organic food market. You see like these, these, you know, Adwala was a good example. They came out were kind of this health Mm -hmm. drink and then I don't know who bought them, PepsiCo or someone, you know, massive. And I think that's probably what they're going to have to do, right? Right. Yeah. Now, are, are you are you building with the intent to potentially sell, or do you, is your your vision to keep keep it? I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, I think the beverage the beverage play a lot of the time with brands is you know because a beverage is one of these industries where the brands are almost losing money most of the time but growing really quickly. And then it's sort of like the payout comes when you get acquired mm, because right. then you decide to stop over-investing in growth and use their networks of the bigger company to do that. But I mean, I think it all depends on, on, on where it goes. And, you know, obviously a brand like ours that's so based on brand, if you, if we were to ever get acquired, it would have to be someone that would make sense that would be able to keep the brand going mm-hmm. because if, you know, it would be a classic case of if you got acquired by somebody big, like let's say Coca-Cola, and then they tried to Coca-Cola-ify a brand that's all about brand, like it's just going to fail. Done. Yeah, right. it's done, right? So um, They'd have to leave yeah. it alone. Yeah. That's what I think. They'd have to buy it and pretend like they don't even, like right. nobody knows we own them. Right, right. And, and some brands are doing that, like brands like Nestle, they own brands that you would never know yes. Nestle owns, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, yeah. and they want it to be that way, yeah. you yeah. know, so... Well, that's a smart strategy. Interesting. Well, yeah. I think I think we all think you guys are gonna are gonna fucking crush. Oh, you guys, oh thank you. Yeah, you, yeah, you guys are you guys are gonna crush. We really we love what you guys are doing. We think it's hilarious, but also good. Uh, great marketing, great concept, and then I like the re- the the renewable aspect of the aluminum can. I think that that's a a touch that is, I mean, you can't get fucked with because you got both ends there. Right. So right. I'm yeah. really curious to see where this relationship goes because we we pride ourselves too on the partnerships that we forge. I don't yeah. I don't know how much I know you and Taylor have been talking for a while. I mean he's he's uh, he does a lot of homework and research on somebody before we we bring him on here and, and yeah. talk to them and stuff. So I'm I'm excited where this potentially could lead to. Absolutely. And and this is ultimately I mean it's great that we're selling water in in a more sustainable container. But for me, like the higher purpose of the brand is. I want to eventually, if we get big enough, that we have the resources to support and elevate the things that most big companies would never touch, you know, like a crazy podcast that would never get funded. Like we want to be the company to to give that money or like some artist that has this fucked up, twisted idea for a cartoon, but can't keep pitching their cartoon idea to, you know, ABC or whoever, like maybe we can fund that, like, or you know, bands that would never get a, you know, be able to get a free recording time because they're too crazy or weird or whatever. Like, like we want to be like the new era of Mm. how, how, you know, it used to be big, giant, white haired corporations, like decide what they sort of invest in. How do we kind of bring this new, if it's even possible, this new era of like what could be a behemoth, but it's run by people like us who, want cooler things to happen and want more diversity in terms of 
the content you consume or the shows you watch or whatever, you know. Oh, I love it. Hell yeah. yeah I just I'm liked you more. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, excellent. Well, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah. It's been great. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.